0: Hello Stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take a planet, a topic, an aspect, a current transit, or anything uh, that is related to either astrology or relationships, and I investigate it under the lens of synastry astrology, otherwise known as love or relationship astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misak, and man, I am glad that you guys are actually joining me today. Now, Stargazers, before I begin this current episode for this week, I just wanted to actually tell you that I actually started a new phase and a new chapter in my life. I did start a new job this last week. And uh, with that new job, it actually requires a little bit more of a commute than other jobs that I've had that I've held have required. So this week I, I mentioned this because I've done something a little bit new when it comes down to rehearsing my episodes. Normally, I kind of rehearse my episodes with my notes in front of me. Uh, this week I had to rehearse from memory. So uh, definitely give me a heads up or like a good comment in uh, either with my email at misacmi sandra at gmail com or with my Instagram page at sandra.misac again that's M I S E K. Tell me how this is working for you because I'm I'm kind of bouncing a little bit and kind of doing some new things here. Before this week, I decided that um, I definitely wanted to cover the area of planets, mainly because we're at our last two planets. I, I, and I know it's just, it just—it seems like just yesterday that we were just covering planets. Uh, I remember it was just yesterday that I made the first recording on the Lumiaries, the Sun and the Moon, and now we're down to the last two. We're down to Mercury as well as Neptune. And this week I decided to cover Mercury mainly because I wanted to cover Mercury this week mainly because I felt like I actually put Mercury off for so long. You know, many um, individuals who do astrology podcasts and when they cover the planets – they usually cover Mercury like right towards the beginning, like with the sun and the moon and Mercury and Venus or with actually not Mercury and Venus with Mars and Venus, as well as the moon. I kind of put it off because I thought it would be like my third house episode where it was like, well, it's pretty straight and clear and cut no chaser and straight to the point and very forward and nothing else to investigate here. And You know, with my podcast, I always like to evolve and move a little bit deeper in the planets as well as just in the aspects and just in a lot of different areas. And I was just afraid that Mercury would be too cut and chase and be too little quick and dry and short and sweet. However, this week, um, when I did actually reflect on Mercury and also when I was doing my research, I actually uncovered a lot of different things that I really well, that a lot of uh, first off, that a lot of astrology students are not usually privy to. And secondly, that added a lot of depth to this episode. So we're kind of in for a nice, pleasant surprise, which is always that's always nice. Um, I I don't know until I kind of do the research for the week. So without further ado, why don't we just go ahead and get right into Mercury? So for those of you who do not have, like, say, your natal charts up, or if you're kind of wondering, you know, gee, with mercury, I don't know where my mercury placement is. I'd really like to know so that um, I kind of can follow along with the episode. So instead of pulling up your natal chart, there's one quick way that I found to be interesting. Um, this was from Joanna Martin Wolfolk. Because Mercury, like Venus too, I've actually found this with Venus as well. Mercury is actually orbits very closely to the sun. Because uh, Mercury does orbit closely to the sun, wherever your sun sign falls, good chance your Mercury sign will be in the sign after that sun sign. So for example, if you're in Leo, your Mercury placement most likely will be in Virgo. If you're in Scorpio, again, uh, Mercury will be in Sagittarius. If you're in Libra, Mercury will be in Scorpio. Um, If you're in Aries, Mercury will be in Taurus. So it kind of goes on from there. And uh, really, again, just take a look at where your sun sign is. And then the house that's right after is where your Mercury is, is placed. And that's pretty universal. I'm not sure as to if you are, if you had been in a um, retrograde year, I'm not sure how retrograde, Mercury retrograde works. I would say actually with Mercury retrograde, it'd be a little closer to the sun, but I think that'd be the one exception. But um, for most of us, um, Mercury was direct when we were born. So definitely take a look at the um, sign after your sun sign and see if anything kind of resonates, if there's like communicative patterns that kind of resonate with that sign, or if the thinking kind of resonates with that sign and just, you know, kind of um, what I would just say is kind of keep that in mind. But um, as I had mentioned earlier, when I was first exposed to Mercury way back in 2013 in my astrology class, I remembered my astrology teacher really, really went into communication, how Mercury was related to communication. Um, she went in depth with, um, I think she was trying to expose us to exalted, you know, Mercury exalted, meaning basically Mercury is either in Virgo or Gemini because those it's exalted because those two signs are ruled by Mercury. So they'd be considered to be in an exalted position, unlike, say, if it's in like Cancer or Pisces or Scorpio and might be in a fall. But I remembered my astrology teacher went so far as to say, oh, yeah, somebody who has a mercury placement in a water sign doesn't communicate very well. And over the years, I remembered when in in class it was like, hmm, I wonder how my teacher came up to her conclusions and I also kind of wondered, because she was an active astrologer, she was just kind of testing a theory that was going on in her mind at that time. Um, but personally, as I've, you know, especially this week when I kind of reflected on that, I actually took issue with that statement, And I will explain to you why I took issue with that in just a moment. First off, I don't really think that that's true. I think those who actually have mercury in the water signs are far more reflective they kind of consider a lot more before they actually communicate they might not be as you know upfront and communicative as say someone who has a mercury placement in a fire sign or in an air sign or sometimes even in an earth sign. But, you know, that doesn't mean that they don't communicate well. And I thought that that was a very general blanket statement. But again, I'll get into why I kind of took a little more issue with that in just a moment. But, you know, along with communication, and again, I thought that this would be like third the third house episode all over again. Well, how does this relate to synastry? Well, it's all about communication. But before I could really make that finality in that regard. I also remembered thinking um, what I'd learned from Mercury, particularly in retrograde motion. It's kind of ironic in astrology whenever we have something negative occur, like Mercury retrograde. It seems like for me personally, I learn a lot more about that planet than I do when it's direct. It's just one of those Murphy's Law universal ironies, but One thing that I've actually come to know with Mercury Retrograde is Mercury is also, you know, especially direct. It's the planet of thinking skills of the individual, you know, how you think, as well as really active listening skills. And, you know, no better way than than to say this, when we think... Or when we learn, too, I think also I would say Mercury is a good planet for learning as well, too. So when we're thinking and when we're learning something, Are you the type that likes to be organized and likes things in its particular slot? Are you you kind of like Mercury and Virgo where you like to be organized and everything is compartmentalized and in order and working in an orderly fashion? Or are you kind of like Sagittarius where you just like to kind of throw stuff out there and just see where it lands? Kind of like throwing spaghetti on a wall or throwing spaghetti at a sheet of paper Sometimes I have those moments. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 literally like throwing. You know, you're throwing ideas like you're throwing spaghetti at a sheet of paper. There. Um. It's 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 a lot of fun. But you know, the epitome of brainstorming. Um, are you the type of individual like Mercury and Scorpio where you like to get really in depth and like to be a detective when it comes down to what you're learning? Or do are you like Mercury and Libra where you like to have maybe a compare and contrast? Or maybe you're like a Mercury in Aries where, you know, you're learning something, but you have to utilize that in practical use. You have to see how that applies in life or how that applies when you act on this particular theory or how you can act on a particular theory. Or maybe your Mercury placement is in a completely different sign and you have a completely different thought pattern. Um, all are very valid. Again, we have 12 ways of thinking in astrology. Actually, I even go so far as to argue when it comes to astrology, it's not just the 12 ways and not just the 12 signs, because the 12 signs even have archetypes that go even deeper than that, you know, even deeper than the surface, the newspaper column values that we usually attribute to. So definitely, um, when you do take a look at your Mercury placement, see if that's like that, you know, like the sign really kind of reverberates with how you think, how you learn, also how you listen, you know, listening skills. Are we like, are, are you Cancerian where you're, you have no problem in listening to somebody it's even if that person is being so verbally abusive, you can't even stand it that you, that you can still find it in your heart to listen. Or are you like um, somebody who has a Mercury placement in Leo where it's like, nope, it's not about me. It's not about leadership. And by the way, you're being verbally abusive. So nope, you're cut off and I'm not going to listen to you. You're done. Um, and again, either way, um, again, 12 sorts, 12 sets of listening skills. No one is better. No one is for worse. Um, Everybody comes to the table and approaches this um, in their own way. Um, And again, like I said, Mercury really reveals that for us, which is actually – that's actually helpful for when Mercury is in retrograde and when people should say they should kind of accuse you of not listening – um, you know, again, kind of reassessing how exactly or how open your listening skills are and how you do listen. Maybe it's not a matter of you're not listening. Maybe it's a matter of there's just something that they're saying that doesn't really kind of click for you. You know, maybe they have a different set of communication skills that just doesn't click with you. And I know I've come into this quite a lot. But um, I think we all have, but uh, Mercury, de- Mercury placement in your chart definitely reveals a lot when it comes down to that. According to Joanna Martine Woolfolk, um, Mercury is actually the planet of intelligence. Now, this is why I actually took issue with my astrology teacher stating that someone who has a Mercury placement in either Cancer... Scorpio or Pisces in a water sign, why they just don't communicate well. And possibly they don't listen very well either is what she had, had added. Um, I take issue with that because that's also kind of like saying they're not very intelligent. And like I said, again, kind of like with Venus and with Mars, you know, I think I, I discussed in the Venus episode Venus is the epitome of women and how really, how feminine they are. Mars is the epitome of how masculine a guy is. And as I've said, you know, there's Western stereotype of what that looks like, but then there's 12 ways of fulfilling that in the natal chart, or there's 12 ways of f- fulfilling that in astrology. I state the same thing with Mercury. There's not, you know, in Western society, Um, There are a lot of astrologers that say, oh, yeah, if you have Mercury, if you're like me, you have Mercury in Virgo, or if you're somebody who has Mercury in Gemini, a lot of astrologers would applaud you and praise that Mercury placement because it's in such an exalted position. And they would go on to say that it's such a great position because, well, you're logical or, um, you know, for somebody who has Mercury in Gemini, you're quick on your feet. You're very swift in action. You are logical in your decisions. The same with somebody who has um, Mercury. I'm sorry, Mercury and Virgo. Why try saying that ten times fast? The same with somebody who has Mercury and Virgo. That again, you're very logical. You want to have a lot of book knowledge before you make your decisions. You're very methodical in your approach and very methodical with your decision makings. Decision making and. You know, with Western society, you know that's always been upheld. You know, having empirical evidence, making logical, rational decisions, and also being quick on your feet. In fact, I think uh, the reason why that's considered to be equated with intelligence is that we've been. You know, admiring that in Western civilization since, oh my goodness, since like the the age of enlightenment, since like the 1700s. I wouldn't even be surprised if there's literature that dates a little bit farther back that also states that as well, too, for Western society. The only drawback is that it really discredits those who might feel, you know, kind of think with the emotions or who may take some more time, you know, hence they might make a slower decision as opposed to somebody who has an exalted position where they, you know, make a decision really fast. You know, it, it discredits all the other signs and it discredits all the other mercury placements and also other forms of intelligence. I um, do actually agree with um, Gardner on this one that there's many different forms of intelligence. Um, If ever you are interested, um, definitely his work is out there in the psychological world. He gets into like bodily kinesthetic intelligence, musical intelligence, uh, mathematical intelligence, you know, um, kind of uh, linguistic intelligence. There's just a lot. I think he has like eight different intelligence cycles out there. But uh, for today's purposes with Mercury placement, there are 12 ways to be intelligent. So um, if you do find that you have Mercury, like say in Taurus, for instance, that's not a bad placement. Actually, I think with Mercury in Taurus, what we don't really see is that Taurus takes a little while to make a decision. And the reason why they take a little while, anyone who has like a Taurus placement or a Taurus aspect They take a little while making decisions, and the reason for that is they want to make sure they're making the right choice, not just for themselves and not just for their comfortable lifestyle, but they also consider those with whom they love and how the decisions that they make will affect those individuals as well, especially if it's a contract or especially if um, it's a situation where there is an agreement between two parties, Taurians really like to think it over. And I know for some of us that can be very infuriating, but again, I think that that's actually really intelligent because you just never know what's in the fine print. And for those who have either Gemini, you know, Mercury and Gemini or Mercury and Virgo, we could miss the fine print in making a really fast decision. Or I know, you know, how many times have I made a decision without factoring in emotional intelligence, such as with cancer? You know, like with a a Cancerian, they would actually factor in a decision based off of how they feel. They might withhold their intelligence um, and not make it so visible to others so as to really make sure it comes across And also they like to kind of keep information inside of them to kind of process it a little bit better. But, you know, again, um, when it comes down to decisions, they would have to they usually factor in or somebody who has um, mercury and cancer would factor in how this would make this decision would make them feel in the long term. You know, and again, somebody who has Mercury in Gemini or Virgo, or even an Aries, you know, in a, in either a, a fire or an air sign, we might miss the boat on that. We might just be completely in our heads that we, you know, negate to factor in. It's like, okay, how could accepting, like, say, accepting a job position, how could that um, make us feel? You know, how does how do our coworkers make us feel? How does our boss make us feel? You know, and, you know, miss that element entirely. So, again, um, definitely, you know, there's different differences in intelligence. And it's definitely great to look at all signs and not discredit Mercury placements, you know, even though there's there's such a thing as exalted and a fall in the chart. You know, good pl- you know Mercury placement as opposed to a bad. That doesn't mean that it's bad, or that somebody's less intelligent, or that they don't communicate very well. Um, it's, it's there's just different styles of communication. Um, sometimes it might drive another somebody who has a Mercury placement in another sign might drive them nuts, but doesn't mean that it's any better or any worse in that regard. Rachel Stewart Haas also added that Mercury, I think she was mainly primarily uh, focused on transits when she had mentioned this, but she equates Mercury with that of news. You know, like if Mercury is near Jupiter, there's some big news that's going to come your way. Or if Mercury it happens to be outside of a particular house, um, that'll kind of indicate what sort of news that you'll receive. So she gives like Mercury outside the second house, you're going to receive financial news and possibly really good news at that. I thought that was interesting because... um I really thought of the transit form of news and it kind of made me think, well, you know, when it comes down to our Mercury placement, we do have not only the sign that's in, but also a house that's in. And maybe the house can indicate like what we focus on. And I you know, I kind of find that the news that we receive are usually the things that we focus on the most in life. Like my mom, for instance, who has Mercury in Scorpio, she's very big into politics. So, obviously, news for her would be political in nature. She focuses on that a lot. However, if, say, somebody has Mercury in their 11th house in Aries, news may factor more into what's going on with their friends and what's going on with their family because that is their level of focus with that individual. And also they, um, with somebody who has Mercury and Aries, they may fa- they may factor in into that sort of news um, anyway. You know, they may want to have the best for their family. They may want to have the best for their siblings or for their their friends or their relationships. And so they may try to make things work to where that it brings good news for those individuals as well. And then, of course, uh, Rachel Stewart-Haas also met, adds that, again, um, with Mercury, it brings a very chatty, curious, busy energy. Um, both Joanna Martin Wolfolk, as well as Rachel Stewart-Haas, have mentioned a very speedy sort of energy as well. Um, again, Mercury being a mercurial planet, um, it does rule facility, it does rule speed as well, too, or how, how fast. You should make a decision um, how fast your mental processes may be. Now, again, if your mental processes are not that fast, there is no shame in that. Um, Again, as I said, different signs are intelligent in different ways. And again, just because you're not fast or speedy, again, it just means that you're taking into factor and consideration what else there is, you know, something that somebody who's really speedy may overlook. Which I think is actually very intelligent, to be honest, you know we all we all tend to overlook some things, and it I think that's where you know knowing all the twelve signs is always very helpful, so with this said, as we get into sinistry, well, the thing that I feared the most uh is actually going to be a part of what I have for sinistry, which is. Uh, Yes, in synastry, it basically deals with, you know, so Mercury does deal with how well we communicate. But when looking at John Townley as well, too, there's a little bit more in depth to that when it comes to relationships. Beside from communication, I also thought, too, with, you know, factoring all the above, I kind of figured, you know, Mercury could also indicate our individual philosophies, on relationships you know for instance um a taurian would come in with the philosophy you know somebody who has mercury and taurus would come into the relationship with the philosophy of it's not just about me you know um really a, a great you know the epitome of a great partnership is where my spouse it you know has equal opportunities to make decisions but also my spouse, too, would, um, you know, I, I would actually think of her and come off very well for her or come off very well for him to where that person stays in the relationship. But mainly with Taurus, they come into the relationship with, you know, yes, I have my needs, but I also want people to stick around. So it's about their needs, too. That's unlike Leo, where Leo, basically, a Mercury placement in Leo is basically all about um, thoughts centered around leadership, centered around etiquette, like um, basically kind of like Anna Bay on YouTube. Uh, Anna Bay is actually... A, a the head and also an instructor in a finishing school and she actually posts some uh interesting YouTube videos about like how to look expensive, how to come across as being well groomed and well mannered. Um if definitely haven't checked it out, definitely do. It's it, it is very um it is a very interesting channel or she has a very interesting yeah, like a lot of interesting videos. But you know with Leo it Anna Bay would be very appealing. Because again, it's, you know, not only how to look expensive, but how to appear aristocratic, how to appear very rich, very famous, you know, all the way around, uh, very regal as well. So with somebody who has a mercury placement in Leo, they had approached the relationship with, you know, I really should be at the helm, I should be boss. But also by the same token, when it comes to the person that they love, it's like, well, maybe I could be here as a teacher, or maybe I could be here to guide this individual wherever they're lacking. Um, If they're lacking in leadership skills, make sure that they have the confidence necessary in order to excel out in life. Or if they're Lacking in taking authority, you know, really giving them nice great tips to help them become their better selves. So I think with Leo's interest would be to help the other person to become their better selves while also making them look really good as well, too. Maybe making them look like a really great leader as well. And again, of course, like I mentioned, how both persons communicate effectively in the relationship. So here's where we come to John Townley and the interesting thing. Um, So when it comes down to Mercury placements between both individuals in the relationship, he made a quote that really hit me. And I thought it was really a really great quote on his part. He said, if you both or if you can both say how you feel, you've gone a long way towards being able to change. And the reason why this hit me was that, um, again, not only with when I've practiced Buddhism, but also with my current spirituality at this time, one thing that I usually notice when we communicate with one another is that when we see a problem in a relationship, we're the first to kind of shove it under the rug. We're the first to, you know, either toxic positivity ourselves out of it. And yes, there is such a thing as toxic positivity. Uh, If you doubt that, take a look at lonerwolf.com. It goes into wonderful detail um, and really very valid uh, information and wonderful details to what exactly it entails. But one thing that we do is kind of toxic positivity ourselves out You know, usually it's, oh, well, I'm just not focusing on the positive, so therefore it's my problem that this is happening, so shove it under the rug. Or the other thing, too, when it comes to toxic positivity is that we, as many um, Buddhist scholars have mentioned, we tend to bliss out when it comes to problems. You know, instead of actually, you know, communicating the problem at hand and trying to resolve it, it's just, you know, how to meditate it out, how to like bliss it out all the way around. And really, the best way to, I mean, with Mercury, what this teaches us in Sinistry is that the best way to go about communication in a relationship is if there is a problem or if there is anything that needs to be addressed to actually have the courage to address it. Now, this doesn't mean to say, you know, that you harp on the person relentlessly. No, it's just if something is bothering you to actually, you know, make it legit in your mind that, yes, this is a legitimate factor. This could be a quirk or something that's just a habit in this person's personality. But um, the first way to address it is to simply do that to address it in addressing it we not only recognize that not only that there is a problem but it's the first step towards resolution and i think um it's it's far better than shoving it under the rug because shoving it under the rug after a while it's it's like you're tamping down your emotions and you're tamping down everything that you're feeling it also feels like you're kind of gaslighting yourself when it comes to the problems. Like, Oh no, the problems aren't really there. This, this is all, all well and and nice for me. And it's all going to be okay. You just need to focus on the positive. And well, that builds up after a while. And I feel like that becomes a really big downfall in the relationship because guess what happens when we pent up a lot of rage and emotion it comes right out the wrong moment. And then that really, really can wreak havoc on the relationship. So it's better to be honest from the get-go, I think is, is really what uh, John Townley um, really mentions when it comes to synastry. Um, when it comes down to sinistry as well, a well-placed mercury aspect, so meaning that if you and your partner have mercury aspects that are either sextile so two houses apart, if they're trined, I even say if they're even conjunct, um, those are great placements uh, for Mercury. And having that great placement, you're basically far more inclined to communicating with each other. You feel easy, you feel that communication can be facilitated, and you're not mired down and bogged down by emotional details as well, too, which is always that's always nice and wonderful. When it's not well placed, on the other hand, again, just the opposite, you guys get a little bit mired in every little single thing that your partner had said, you know, it's like the the partner could say hello, and you're taking a slight to that. You know actually, I've had those relationships before um in uh both the working sphere and just in general too. It's like you say hello to somebody and they're they're quick to take a slight to that. You know, like you said hello in this particular way when you should have said hello in that particular way again, that is a great example of a not well placed mercury aspect, so this is where mercury between both persons is either squared. So again, 90 degrees apart or three houses apart from each other, they're either in opposition, they're quincunxed, or um, if they're even like even semi-squared, as we'll see in the, in the sample chart, meaning that one person has like, say, Mercury in Gemini, but the other person has Mercury in uh, Cancer. Even though these signs are next door to each other, they're very different from each other. Um, in that, in the regard. So that does cause a semi-square. It does cause a friction and it would just be two different communicative styles that could clash if both persons are not really aware and respecting each other. And that's the other thing with Mercury is how well aware are we when it comes to communication and how do we respect each other when we communicate to each other? You know, do we, are we reciprocal? Towards our partner, or are we dismissive towards our partner? And uh, John Townley goes even further to state that a Mercury position, as well, too, aside from being badly placed or well placed, you know, um, he had mentioned that how well you facilitate communication in astrology also affects the other people around you. Now, in um, his book, he always mentions how you know, relationships affect business partnerships or also um, mentions business partnerships when it comes to sinistry, and also how relationships affect um, individuals outside the relationship as well as um, within. And um, I just found like with Mercury, it was kind of interesting that actually if you have difficulty communicating with each other, that can actually be seen outside the relationship as well as from within. And the same thing when communication is uh, facilitated and it's very easy to come by. I actually have come across two examples of this, uh, both with two neighbors of mine. So the first example, one of my neighbors used to host a chili roast and a chili harvest, so to speak, every September. So it's kind of like near the uh, autumnal equinox whenever he'd host this party. And it was always, of course, near his birthday as well, too. But I think it was also a Texas tradition. Um He had grown up, I think, in San Antonio. It was a Texas tradition that he was kind of carrying on. And this was just a big, big factor in his life. And he wanted to share that with everybody else. And actually, his, his parties were usually very fun. But there was one couple particularly that kind of struck me in different ways, well, the wife, for starters, was actually a radio announcer host. And I remembered I expressed to her at one point when I was in college that I wanted to use my theater, theater degree and my theater minor for broadcasting, possibly on the, on the radio. And being a, an announcer herself, you know, really having a very clear voice and being an announcer herself, she really, um, spoke with me about kind of the, the nitty gritty about radio and well, you know, looky here, I have a podcast. It was, you know, kind of an interesting, interesting tie in, you know, I I wanted to be in radio and here I am, I'm hosting a podcast. But anyway, this lady was really die hard when it came down to caring for her voice, especially for radio. She'd wear a scarf over her neck, even in the day. I think I remembered seeing her at another party, Um, In the summer and lo and behold, even though it was 90 to 100 degrees, she had a scarf on around her neck. She didn't imbibe any sort of alcohol, knowing that alcohol dries out the vocal cords and ruins the vocal folds. It also um, causes your vocal cords to not come across as clearly um, She was always drinking water. She was always watching what she ate. You know, again, no flummy foods such as cheese or chocolates or anything that can dehydrate or impact her voice in any way, shape, or form. Her husband, on the other hand, so, you know, while her Mercury skills or her communicative skills were varied that much of Mercury in Virgo. You know, she's just very intact and very concise and to the point as well as very methodical. Her husband, on the other hand, really struck me as having a Mercury placement in Aries. You know, and again, these two individuals, I'm going to add this to, they seemed to bring out the shadow sides of these signs, you know, their, their Mercury signs. But um, this guy, I mean, this guy was just the complete opposite. He was very brash, very much like a beginning percussionist, very loud, very brash, obnoxious, big time obnoxious. In fact, there was one time where he said, oh, Sandra, when you played the trombone, you said you had some problems. Was it because of your embouchure? And when I had, you know, I hesitated. Oh, Sandra, it's your embouchure. Sure, like I was five years old. Um, again, very obnoxious, very condescending as well, too. But I mean, like, definitely the type of person who, kind of like with yeah, you know, the shadow side of Aries and Mercury and Aries, whatever thought comes into his head comes out his mouth. You know, big time verbal diarrhea. Um, well, the whole point of this was this guy, along with being verbally clumsy, you know, beyond verbally clumsy. He also made it a point to communicate that he wanted to flirt with me and make him his mistress every time that I went to this party. Not only did my parents not appreciate that because I was actually um, you know, there are a couple of times where I went to this party, I, you know, I was a minor still. Um, they didn't appreciate that this this older guy was flirting with a minor. And really not, you know, paying any heed to that. I didn't appreciate it because he was married. And uh, there was one night, you know, one particular uh, um, time where this party was taking place where, you know, we were at one end of the yard. His wife was at the opposite end of the yard. And his wife looked, was looking on as to what was going on. I was avoiding him like the plague because he was just getting really super obnoxious And she just kind of like stood at her corner and didn't do anything for like a whole two hours. And I felt like those whole two hours, she was just standing there scheming as to how she could get back at me and also at her husband. And, you know, while I've been there scheming stargazers, it really just causes you to allow a problem to fester. You may think that you're resolving it by getting back at somebody, but you're actually allowing the problem to keep going. And the problem in their relationship was obviously this guy was sexually oppressed. You know, um, there was some sort of sexual withholding, some sort of sexual abuse, but also what was really pretty um, obvious as an outsider in this relationship he was very brash. He probably said something very mean and cut to the quick to her. She not really um, wanting to resolve a conflict constructively held a grudge and maybe withheld sex favors or withheld something sexually from him. But also on top of which, I mean, really wouldn't communicate what bothered her more than anything. And really kind of like, um, Mercury and Virgo really kind of withheld a lot of information, really kind of withheld a lot of key things that could have really fixed the relationship if if it had been more open and really being an outsider to this relationship. I really felt like even when I was talking with her, there were times where this guy was, you know, still looking at me as a mistress and it made everything very clumsy and very awkward. And may I also add, Aries and Virgo definite square. When it comes down to the relationship, they don't get along very well. Aries is very much move forward, whatever comes to my mind, let me put into action. While Virgo is really very much more like, wait a minute, I need the facts. Wait a minute, hold on, let's let's hold the phone, let's kind of hold the horses here. And, um, for some reason, this, this dynamic, this chemistry was just not working. And as I said, I felt like I was monkey in the middle between a very awful marital situation that really could have been resolved if both persons had opened up and communicated or in the husband's case, if he had actually listened to his wife a number of times and for the wife, if she'd actually communicated a lot more. I really felt like that really could have helped the relationship to work out. But again, the relationship came across just as much as a, of a disaster as it probably was in Behind Closed Doors. Um, just like I said, clumsy, awkward, not very fun to be around. This is in contrast to another neighbor of mine, uh, two neighbors where I think the husband's Mercury is actually in Capricorn. The wife's uh, Mercury is in Uh, Libra. Now, while Capricorn and Libra may have a a square as well, um, really this couple tends to make it work out in the regard that they're very, you know, the husband's very polite, very methodical. You know, he can be very methodical, but he's also very polite and very open. And he listens very carefully when it comes to company and listens very carefully when it comes to his wife. His wife, on the other hand, is very fair, also very methodical, but also, um, again, really listens and really is very compassionate when it comes to people's stories and also really compassionate when it comes to what her husband has to say. And really what I see with this uh, dynamic is like when they're talking with me and say they should be together together. They kind of bounce um, ideas off of each other. If one person is making a mistake and they don't really realize it, the other person gently corrects it without making that person feel bad or look bad in the conversation and really, again, um, kind of like how they treat company, they kind of treat each other. Um, if there's something that's bothering them, they're, they're open about it. They're not secretly scheming or withholding sexual favors. It's like, look, this is bothering me. But they strike me as being a couple of not just bringing up issues, but like, say, if the wife states to the husband that she doesn't like, like how shut off he can be sometimes. While he's trying to work on fixing it, she'll also praise him with how, you know, how wonderful he's doing in another area of the relationship or what he's doing to fix this. And, you know, like how she she kind of applauds him in fixing that um, and applauds him for something else, another trait that comes out that's really quite admirable and really nice. And in that way, it kind of facilitates, it's not like playing good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad cop, or good cop, bad cop in a way. It's really just, um, you know, kind of having an open conversation and really an open door as well to open door policy. And um, as an outsider looking in, it's not as awkward or really as uncomfortable as the, as the other situation with the you know, the wife who had, um, Mercury in Virgo and the husband who had Mercury in Aries. So definitely, um, you know, the, in the relationship that can not only affect the two individuals, but also everybody outside the relationship as well. Well, stargazers, I am going to take a little bit of a pause for the cause when we come back, I'm going to take a look at a sample chart between Kathy Lee Gifford and her ex-husband, Frank Gifford, you know, and their two synastry charts and how well Mercury was placed in their charts when we come back. We're back. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Kathy Lee Gifford, um, I would say take a look at the Today Show. She did host with Hoda Cobb. And um, she was married to a sportscaster for a long time to Frank Gifford as well, too. And this is just kind of se- – I just felt that, you know, with Mercury being that ruling of the voice, of singing, of communication – broadcasters definitely have like either a very heavily, like a heavy mercury position, or they're kind of either heavily third house oriented as well too. So I thought it would be perfect for, you know, uh, you know, the planet of communication to actually take a look at someone who communicates often. Actually, it's two people who communicated very often. So what was interesting about Kathy Lee Gifford? Well, first off, I can see how broadcasting came into her worldview Ascendant in Gemini, so very talkative. Um, Outer demeanor is that of being very communicative, having, um, what is it, Jupiter in her first house as well, very good luck with that as well, too, and very, very expansive in wanting to make that ambition a reality as well. But what really struck me was that her Mercury placement is actually in Leo. It's actually it's not um, conjunct her sun sign. You know, sun sign is also in Leo, but it's really more. Um, it's actually conjunct her uh, Mars placement as well in Leo. So where where I see this is Mars can really incite impulsive communication, which I've actually seen on the air, especially when um, Kathy Lee Gifford was with Regis Philbin for a while on Regis and Kathy, and uh, there were a couple of times where I could just see the emotion, you know there was an emotional tension. there was somebody who was like eating away at her temper, got the better of her, and she'd kind of snap at somebody. Um, right on the air. And sometimes I kind of wondered if that was also her real personality as well, too, her real communicative personality. Um, In some ways, shapes and forms it is. It's also interesting that actually Mercury is squared her moon. So having those emotional moments on the air really was an issue with Kathy Lee Gifford. You know, where something just kind of simmered beneath the surface to where she'd say something really cutting at the end. And I think really over the years, especially as she's hosted on the Today Show, that she's had to really take on the journalistic mindset of, okay, whatever people say, especially with guests, whatever a guest will say on the air you know, that they're just going to do what they're going to do. Um, how I react is really important. So I got to really keep that in check, you know, how I react and then having a really quick snap, um s- split second, you know, awful moment on the air, you know, is not a good thing. So how to, how to keep that professional, how to keep that professionally under wraps. But I think all the way around with Mars next to her Mercury placement in Leo, very dynamic speaker. And actually that I can, I, I could see that with Regis and Kathy. I could also see that to, with the Today Show. I think uh, when I've seen like an old episode when she was actually, when she and Hoda Cobb were interviewing Billy Burke um, with Revolution, his new show Revolution at the time, you know, she was just very... I mean, especially with Hoda Cobb, they are both getting along very well. Um, and she was also very engaging. It's like, you know, it, it was obvious that she was catching up. She was following the series. It wasn't just another guest and another person on the show. She took a very vested interest when it came to her guest and really engaged with him. Um, and also was just very, like I said, as a viewer, just really Very engaging as a journalist, Um, especially for somebody who interviews like right on the spot every single day was, you know, like I said, she has really wonderful, engaging, communicative skills and very dynamic communicative skills. She does her research. Um, She really comes prepared to every interview. And also she's very quick witted as well, too. Um, She's very much um, somebody who does think on her feet. On the air so if something goes south in the interview she knows how to capture that and move the interview along at a nice smooth pace as well too Frank Gifford on the other hand um, his son was also in Leo cancer ascendant so again a little more kept to himself as a journalist again um, Jupiter on his ascendant, so definitely very expansively minded when it came down to journalism um, and setting his sights on journalism, really thinking outside the box, the same as with Kathy Lee Gifford. Also with Pluto in the first house really making sure that when he was on the air that he was very powerful and that he really commanded a lot of attention. Um, unfortunately though, stargazers, I wouldn't be surprised if like off the air he threw his weight around a lot. Um, especially if he kind of abused that powerful image that he had on the air or he had d- abused his power in some ways. He might have thrown his weight around a little bit. But I think overall, um, very deep, very probing when it came to investigative work. Um, even though he's a sports journalist, again, that does require some, you know again, requires being prepared um, all the time on the air. So really in-depth and very probing when it came to his information as well. His Mercury placement was actually in Virgo. So semi-squared Kathy Lee Gifford's uh, Mercury position. As if that's not enough, again, squared Mars. So again, very quick to say something. Um, kind of like a typical shadow side of Aries, very quick to say something, but then very quick to regret it, especially since Mars is also in Gemini for him. It's like, you know, very, like I said, again, just very out there, you know, there's no filter when it came to either reporting or when it just came to his personal life. He just kind of said what was on his mind. And that was that. Now, sometimes when he said what was on his mind, that really might not have necessarily agreed with everybody, whether that was with coworkers off camera, or whether that was with his wife at the current time, uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. And I feel like where there could have been some issues here with that semi square with their Mercury positions is that being, um, so with Mercury in Leo for Kathy Lee Gifford, again, Really wanting to stand out in the spotlight. And I mean, this is along with her son's position in Leo. Really wanting to stand out in the spotlight. And we kind of see that her um, skills are very much, um, very sophisticated, very suave. Again, she wants to come across as being very debonair and really not only a serious journalist, but very debonair and very classy and very you know very much you know very powerful and again like a leader in a way like she can actually carry a whole show by herself um with frank giffords uh, mercury placement on the other hand with um mercury being in gem or in um virgo with that semi square he was more about the gaining more of the facts Gaining more a lot of credibility with those facts, and also being very methodical in his in his process. Whereas Kathy Gifford might want might have wanted to you know just talk and just be out there and really very open. Frank Gifford was not really always very open. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he would kind of you know put people at arm's length of distance a lot of the time. Uh, with his communication skills, especially with his communication skills, and just kind of say, hold on, I don't want to come to this conclusion just yet and type all the facts. Hold on, I don't know about you just yet. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing while I'm on the air. Or like with Kathy Lee Gifford, it's like, gee, you know, I really don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't really want to do the wrong thing. So maybe in the relationship, some things were not really communicated a lot of the time. And also, you know, even though with that, you know, Mars square, um, some things may not just have been communicated when really they should have been. And with Kathy Lee Gifford being very open, you know, probably communicating a lot. So that could have, you know, again, two differing communication styles. I kind of think with the semi square with Kathy Lee Gifford, she could have... Graded her openness could have graded on Frank Gifford's nerves, and with Frank Gifford, his being closed off and very methodical and wanting the facts before making you know conclusions may have irritated her as well. I think that this is a situation kind of like with the neighbors that I'd mentioned before where it could have been a little bit awkward, you know, communication might have been a little bit awkward. It seems like with Kathy Lee Gifford, though, she really was very big in trying to make things work out in the relationship and um, really trying to make sure that communication was very open and that it kind of facilitated a little bit more. But really, there was that underlying you know, he could communicate a little bit better. And I think the fact that he was withholding, she was very open, that there were just two opposites of each other that could have caused a lot of friction in their relationship as well. Not to mention that, you know, again, she has Mercury squared her moon sign. So a lot of things are taken very personally. If uh, Frank Gifford might have spoken something that was really cutting, it would have really cut her to the quick and really would have cut her to the core. Of course, then having... Um, mars right near mercury in her place in her chart she could have like come out with something else that was a zinger and then it could have really escalated a fight just that much more so i kind of felt like communication was not really too great in the relationship or that it could have been a little bit more better facilitated i think um again instead of just being so open all the time with Kathy Lee Gifford that really she could have respected Frank Gifford's space a little bit better when it came to communication. And I think with Frank Gifford too, it could have been a little more forthcoming when it came to his conclusions and his ideas as well. And also working on, you know, outcomes, something sharp or outcomes something very verbally, not so great. So again, possibly very awkward, but, like I said, they they were married for such a great long time. I'm sure that they also found dynamic ways to also repair this situation that's also in both of their charts as well. Well, Stargazers, this is the end of my episode on Mercury. I do hope that this was, just like with every other episode in this podcast, I do hope that it was fun-filled and full of great and wonderful information. Above all, don't be afraid to look up at the stars. We're coming up to a new moon um, as of the 28th of this month. So that'll be rather interesting. I think it's going to be a new moon in Leo. Speaking of Leo, we have kicked off the Leo season. And, uh, to those of you who are born between July the 23rd and August the 23rd, well, you know, first off, you're not alone. I'm a Leo as well. So, um, very happy birthday to you. But also, um, above all, I mean, this is, this is a great month for you guys as well, too. So definitely enjoy, enjoy while you can. But above all, with looking up at the stars, it gives us a moment to pause, gives us a moment to kind of contemplate our the origins of astrology, uh, you know, as well as taking a look at at, at at the planets that are up there, if there are some planets up there, as well as the stars up there. But above all, stargazers, I just hope that between this week and next week that I find you well. And until ne- next week, stargazers, be well. Also, don't be afraid to take a look at Sandra Misak's Patreon page where you can become a member for as little as $5 a month as well as you can receive your free Sinistry Chart reading. That is at patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology.